The Spectator magazine combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, plus a £20 Amazon gift voucher, absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Seal and I'm joined today by Katie Balls and Kate Andrews. Now today is, of course, 75 years since the NHS was founded. Kate, how will you be celebrating this auspicious occasion? Well, I've certainly been focused on the day. Uh, almost all of my attention has, has gone into this. I've been watching and ranking um, a lot of the tributes that have been going out. I haven't done my own yet. You know, I need to see what else is out there. Uh, if I'm going to top the best one, I'm going to have to do something bigger than the Westminster Abbey Thanksgiving service, which saw the Prime Minister do a reading, the leader of the opposition do a reading, the chief exec of NHS England, Amanda Pritchard, you know, suspended her title for just a moment and essentially became a reverend as she did her address. And we've had some beautiful comments from the dean who, who did the formal sermon. I enjoyed him saying that the NHS sets before us all the better angels of our nature. Here is high principle translated into best practice. Best practice may be debated, of course not today, because today we only revere, but in future it may be debated as there's essentially no study that I've ever been able to find that shows the NHS outcomes for patients doing better than mediocre on international rankings. Usually it's extremely poor. The, the latest one found that in terms of saving lives, the NHS basically rank last in Europe. So one might say that the celebrations today don't fully or accurately reflect what's really going on in the health service. But James, who are we to, you know, drag down such an auspicious occasion? Yeah, before I come to Katie, I just want to ask quickly, uh, obviously, Kate, you were born and raised in America. I is was. This, is this a thing that other countries do with the health services? I have to say it's not, James. And the rest of the world does look in on moments like this when people are quite literally praying to and about the NHS. And they do think it's a bit strange. Now, I should say with my American background that the U.S. has a terrible healthcare system too. But I think what's becoming increasingly apparent, especially in these league tables, if, is if you look at who's performing worst, tends to be the NHS and the U.S. system. For a country here in the U.K. that's so opposed to the U.S. system, and I, I agree with that, I don't think it would be the right option for any country. There are some uncomfortable similarities now, and I think that comes from a fact that we have for many decades now refused to talk about what the rest of the world is doing and the better outcomes that other kinds of systems get, which are almost completely universal as well, and make sure that the poorest in society can access the best care. I mean, I think one of the saddest things about the NHS now is that the poorest in society really cannot access the best care, if they can access care at all. Anyone trying to get a GP appointment recently might be familiar with just how difficult that is. And of course, Katie, you know, 70th anniversary offers a chance to reflect on the NHS. It's obviously one of Richard Sunak's key priorities is getting the NHS waiting list down. How do ministers think the health service is going at the moment? So Steve Barclay has written a piece for The Times about talking about praising, etc., the strengths of health service. How likely are we to kind of see the kind of fundamental reform of the NHS that Kate's been talking about? Well, you have Steve Barclay talking a lot about the need for data and this idea of scrapping targets, something that he does not want to go near you have figures in the NHS who of course do want to do that but there's that ongoing frustration between ministers and the NHS about setting these targets which often come in line with new funds and then actually getting to the point when they're not hit and then you go around in a circle and they often say well that's because we need more funds (laughs) and you cannot really see that coming to uh, 
a happy conclusion or all suddenly changing pattern anytime soon. I think what's tricky and it, Kate puts this very well in the column she's written for this week's magazine, is at this point, so much money has gone to the NHS. that I think Tories particularly, yes, they talk about reform, but A, there's not that much time until the next election, so how much are you really going to be able to do? But B, I think that they are nervous about anything that could see opposition parties attack them for wanting to privatise the NHS, all those attacks that you normally see at general elections. And you do hear an argument that, oh, actually, we're in a more mature place when it comes to conversations about the future of the NHS. You have Wes Streeting, for example, talking about reform, saying some things about junior doctors um, that the BMA and others do not like. And Labour, actually, I think sometimes in a better place to be proposing the reform, because you think about weaknesses for both parties, it goes against most people's instincts that Labour would be the most likely party to do anything drastic there. But yet, you have this week, you know, where streeting on social media, I think it's, you know, there's been a few tweets I've seen where he says things like, there are warnings that the NHS could stop being free at the point of use for everyone. You know, so some might start to pay, you know, in the next 10 years. It's like never under labour. And I think that does just show you that, Yes, you are talking about reform on the Labour side, but the Tories are still facing that that the, the implication that being that you cannot trust the Tories at the NHS. And therefore, when Rishi Sunit was Chancellor, he did attach all these conditions to new NHS funding. I just cannot see right now the making reform of the NHS a huge part of a pitch A in advance of the election or even during the election. And you're probably going to hear more arguments from Labour, but not as in whole-scale reform, but I think they just feel as though they've got more space to be making those cases. And then I think for Rishi Sunak, because he's made the NHS one of his five priorities, and lots of people say, oh, you're drawing attention to it. I don't think he really had an option (laughs) in the sense that the NHS is obviously such a big issue in the country. It's a big issue at every election. David Cameron, Lyndon Cosby obviously tried to minimise it a bit because they thought the Tories could never really win on it. Then you had the Vote Leave doing something which some more traditional Tory strategists worried about, which is making NHS front and centre some more money for the NHS. So we're now at the point where the Tories have to talk about it. It's just, are they going to have much positive to say by the time of the next election? I think there's some quiet but welcome relief in the Tory party that figures like Tony Blair are coming out and saying we need more private provision in order to catch up on wait lists because realistically there's no way that you're going to get through this 7.4 million figure on the wait list for NHS England alone and that figure's going up without bringing in more provisions but you have to be quite careful with this because it could very quickly seem like Labour gets to dominate the narrative around the NHS and I, I think that that already happens to some extent I mean to Katie's point there West Streeting the shadow health secretary is able to say certain things that Tory politicians simply can't. On the one hand, I think a lot of people are happy that he can say them. You know, they're not going to say that publicly, but privately, they're quite delighted that, you know, an important labor figure is saying these things. On the other hand, if they can't say them at all, it makes it look like Labour has a narrative on the NHS and the Tories don't. But overall, are we going to get realistic reform? I don't think we're going to get that anytime soon. I mean, Labour is still not talking about meaningful changes. I'll be interested to see what ends up in in an election manifesto, but we haven't heard any really big ideas yet. You have figures like Sajid Javid, the former health secretary, who's held many a brief, coming out this week calling for a royal commission, honestly speaking about how the health service is just not delivering for patients. But it's very telling that people have to do that as they're leaving. Sajid Javid has said he will not be standing for re-election. And the fact that at the moment, I think politicians, certainly on the right, and also to some extent on the left, just feel like there's certain honest truths they cannot say about the NHS, means we are, we are not going to see that meaningful reform. 
And talking of the NHS, Katie, it was an issue that figured stay at Primus questions, which included this great rejoinder from Mari Black to Oliver Dowden. May I actually just begin by saying genuinely how sorry I was to hear that the Honourable Lady will be standing down at the next election. She and I joined this House at the same time, and I know she has contributed much to her party and to this place. <laughs> the, the Deputy Prime Minister, I thank him for his kind words, and we did join this place at the same time, and I'm pretty sure we'll be leaving at the same time. <laughs> Talk, talk us through this PMQ session, which featured the deputy leaders uh, as Richard Sunak was at this uh, NHS Thanksgiving service. So first, just on the Mary Black section of PMQs, that was probably the most entertaining part, um, because she had Oliver Dowden talking about the monarch saying, I'm sure, Mary Black, you'll be welcoming uh, <laughs> King Charles to Edinburgh today. And, um, For a her, Scottish coronation. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and her face. Unfortunately, there weren't really any words, <laughs> but I just would recommend people watch that clip where she was like, laughing and also appalled at the same time, effectively saying, no way, um, she is not a monarchist. Um, but then what was quite funny is I think uh, Oliver Dowden thought he'd got the upper hand. And then he was quite nice saying, you know, he was sad having arrived at the same time, having entered Parliament at the same time that she would be leaving. And obviously got to her turn and she said, well, actually, I think we might be leaving together. <laughs> no, no, things have to go quite bad for Oliver Dowden to lose his seat. It's not impossible. If you look at the local elections, one of the nasty shocks they had was Hertzmere, so Oliver Dowden's area, turned Lib Den. So there is that threat, which I think is, you know, I spoke to one Red Wall MP recently who said they're happier with a majority of around 10,000 than if they were in a southern seat and they had a majority of 18,000 because they think that Lib Dem, Green, all those different parties coming together is actually quite dangerous. And I think that straight fight with Labour is a bit simpler. Now, if you look at the predictions, Red Wall seats go first, but it was an interesting point if you think about the local elections. Moving to more general Prime Minister's questions, what's quite interesting is in a way the themes were quite familiar so mortgage time bomb and then the Tories saying Labour's more dangerous or boring will make the economy worse but what you're hearing in the complaint for at the moment is that Rishi Sunak is not present enough in the Commons chamber mm. so Angela Rayner started by saying you know the fact that Rishi Sunak won't be here and he won't be here next week because next week he'll be at the NATO summit course, yeah. shows that you know the government's the Tories they've given up to which Oliver Dowden replied that actually is a rare is a, and there are some leaders who trust their deputies obviously pointing to friction between Angela Rayner and Keir Starmer in the past is it controversial that Rishi Sunak is missing from the Commons? I think you look at the two most recent instances. When you press Labour on what they're already saying, are they saying that he should have missed the NHS service? In which case, you can already read the posters saying, you know, Rishi Sunak does not want to celebrate the NHS. He wants to use a private doctor. <laughs> or the <laughs> so, so, so I think they would attack that. And would they say Rishi Sunak shouldn't be at the NATO summit next week? Um, Jonathan Ashworth was interviewed on Politics Live and they put to him, oh, where are, where are you on this? And he said, well, I don't think he should miss, miss NATO. And he's like, oh, she missed NHS. And said, well, not really. But he said, having worked there under Gordon Brown, and more of that in this week's magazine where I interview him, <laughs> but having worked under Gordon Brown in number 10, he said what he thought could have been done is that Rishi Sunak and his team, when they heard initially when the NHS service was going to be, could have suggested at a slightly different time so it didn't clash with PMQs which maybe is the case but it doesn't feel as though the most active uh, strong attack line I've ever heard of mm. I, I just wonder though Katie at the liaison committee yesterday Rishi Sunak gave a quite an assured 
boring performance, frankly. But the moment of most, most uh, kind of discomfort for him was Chris Bryant pressing him on, you know, you didn't turn up to vote against the Boris Johnson Privileges Committee. Is there perhaps a sense of Labour trying to exploit the impression that he's a leader who doesn't lead? Oh, I think they're definitely trying to do that. I just think these two Prime Minister questions don't really pass their test. I think there's other things they can point to, as you say, not being there for their vote. There were some Tory MPs who wanted Rishi Sunak to take a stand. The problem is Tory MPs wanted him to vote in different ways. Um, <laughs> and then also, um, if you think, I think about Labour will say he makes fewer ministerial statements um, and he is less present than some of his predecessors in, in the House of Commons. So I think there are ways to make the point. I'm just not sure this PMQ's attack then really passes more than four seconds when you actually scrutinise it. Finally, Kate, what's going on in the gilt market? We've had an update this afternoon that the cost for government to borrow has now reached its second highest level since 1999 as a government bond at the most recent auction was sold for an annual return of almost 5.7%. So what this means in simple terms is that investors are demanding a higher return on their investments as interest rates are expected to rise further. We're currently at 5% for the base rate that is still expected by the markets to go up. Let's not forget we are at historically average rates, but after 15 years of everybody assuming that rates would just stay on the ground, they are wreaking havoc at these relatively normal rates. And it's not just hurting your normal members of the public who perhaps they have debt through a mortgage, it's hurting the government too, which thought for a long time it could borrow for nothing, and now it's costing a lot more to borrow. And this has a knock-on effect of every part of public spending uh, and every spending decision that the government's going to make. Because if borrowing isn't so cheap, there's much more pressure for you to actually cover your costs. The way you do this are to raise tax. Do you want to do that with the tax burden at a post-war high? To trim spending or to grow the economy? And, uh, you know, on those first two, those are two things the government really does not want to do. That third one about growing the economy, the government's made clear it does want to do it. It's made it a priority, but they're struggling to do it at the moment. More cheery news. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Katie. And thank you for listening to Coffee House Shots.